0: You've tuned in to Columbia Calling, your first stop for everything you want to know about Colombia. How and where to invest, where to visit. From the Pacific to the Caribbean, the Andes Mountains to the Amazon Jungle, Colombia has a slice of everything. Shooting from the hip, answering the questions that need answering. Here's your host, the journalist and hotelier Richard McCall, shedding some light on the fashionable South American destination of Colombia. It's that time of the weekend, folks. This is me, your host, Richard McCall, here in Bogota, Colombia, 2,600 meters closer to the stars. And this is episode 391 of the Colombia Calling podcast. Thank you again to all of those who signed up for the $1 tier. That's $1 per month for the exclusive newscast reported by journalist Emily Hart arriving into your WhatsApp accounts as an audio file every Monday. So that's very cool indeed. The cutoff is today, Tuesday the 31st of August. So if you're listening to this and you've not done so, Well, do so today if you're listening on Tuesday, but after Tuesday from the 1st of September, this will go up from $1 to $2, but not a huge increase, I think you'll agree. So anyhow, please support Emily, please support the indie media, indie journalists and so on, freelance journalists here. This week's very special guests are no less than director Oscar Molina and producer Brenda Steineke, and they will be talking about the new documentary they have hitting the cinemas well you know it's a selected release in cine colombia here in colombia of their documentary it's called la casa de mama Icha. it's a documentary that deals with the issues of belonging identity of course and and where you most feel the memory and where you most feel I guess at home, Mama Icha is a, well, she's a grandmother and she spent 33 years in Philadelphia in the United States. And she'll be, she returns to Montpos. Of course, this means something to me and all of you out there as Montpos is my adopted hometown at the moment. And uh, well, Mama Icha is coming home after 33 years and it's basically that's it, isn't it? It's, uh, she's in her 90s, and it's, it's time to come home. And so this documentary explores that. And so it, there's, there's so many different themes in this migration as well, economics, society, and so on. So from the 2nd of September, this documentary will be out in selected Cine Colombia cinemas around the country. And for those of you in the United States, check out PBS and on PBS on the 18th of October. The documentary will be shown there as well. But you can find that on the PBS website. Just put in Mama Icha and it will pop up. So that's very exciting for us here. Thank you again to Manuel Oberlada and Emily Hart, of course, for last week's episode discussing their exhibition in Medellin, Medellin, so that's the Contra Miradas, looking at Medellin's peripheries, appreciating different uh, districts of Medellin that perhaps aren't as publicized, aren't as overwhelmed by tourism such as the Comuna 13, the 13th barrio or 13th commune in Medellin, which of course is a Well, it's a tourist destination these days and, you know, justified as well with the escalators and, of course, the graffiti and the hip-hop music. But there is so much more to the city. Right now, we'll go over to Emily Hart with the news and then we'll be back with director... Oscar Molina and indeed producer Brenda Steineke and they are in Santa Elena so outside of Medellin in Antioquia and they'll be talking about this great new documentary that is out on the 2nd of September so by the time you're listening to this some of you it will already be out buy your tickets in Cine Colombia mark your diaries for the 18th of October and ensure that this documentary gets a wide audience thank you again for listening bye-bye
1: I'm Emily Hart, and these are your top stories from Colombia for the week of August 30th, 2021. Last week's call for a general amnesty for crimes committed during the Civil War is already progressing, appearing as a draft legal project to be presented by the ruling party, the Centro Democratico. The proposal made by former President Alvaro Uribe would be a significant form to the peace process. It does not propose pardons as such or a clean slate but proposes that those who have been convicted should be eligible for election or appointment as public officials, with the exception of those convicted for crimes against humanity. The bill also seeks benefits for convicted members of the armed forces, giving parole and political rights after five years of sentences served in prison. In addition, it proposes a special structure within the peace tribunal, the HEP, for investigation of soldiers. Former President Uribe himself remains under legal investigation for witness tampering, in a case relating to the role of his brother and himself in the creation of paramilitary groups. Meanwhile, the HEP Tribunal announced it will open new investigations on displacement, sexual violence, disappearances and massacres during the civil conflict, with two new cases. One will deal with FARC crimes, the other will investigate relations between paramilitaries and the state. These new cases show that the HEP is beginning to respond to demands, especially from civil society, to broaden its spectrum of investigation. Last week saw a day of renewed protest in Colombia, with peaceful though heavily policed marches and demonstrations countrywide, aimed at maintaining pressure on the agreements made with government during the months of mobilisation earlier this year, and continuing to reject the systematic violence and inequality in the country. Student leader Esteban Mosquera was murdered last Monday in Popayan, Cauca, further driving protests. There have now been 108 murders of social leaders this year. Meanwhile, accountability for the widespread state violence against protesters during the national strike, known as the Paro, is in its early stages. The strikes were initially sparked by a tax reform bill in April and successfully sank the proposals. A new version of that reform bill is now progressing through Congress and is seen by many as a product of successful dialogue between government, regional leaders, trade unions and social groups. A new study has revealed that an average of 400 women per year are criminalised for having abortions in Colombia, one quarter of whom are minors. 51% of the complaints against women are made by medical personnel who treated women seeking medical help, a violation of professional secrecy. Around 400,000 women have abortions every year in Colombia, and only between 1% and 9% are legal. Seeking unsafe and illegal procedures is a major cause of death for women in Colombia, Where the conditions for legal abortion are extremely restrictive. Also, this week, the Government Institute for Family Wellbeing, the ICBF, reported that 46 cases of violence against minors are reported daily in Colombia. 72% of cases of sexual violence occur in the home. A brewing scandal in the Ministry of Technology has broken and ICT Minister Karan Abudinen has been called for official questioning about a missing 70 billion pesos advance from a huge contract to bring internet access to rural schools. A company was awarded the contract in December 2020, despite warnings and falsified documents used to receive the advance. The Attorney General is in the USA this week and has met with the FBI to request support in the investigation to trace the money, which was consigned to the United States. Joint investigations into money laundering are underway and extraditions are possible. Meanwhile, President Ivan Duque is in South Korea for a trip focused on trade, vaccines, science and technology. One of the aims of the visit was to sell Colombia as a destination for vaccine production and a memorandum of understanding was signed with the company SK Bioscience to start researching and manufacturing vaccines in Colombia. SK Bioscience manufactures AstraZeneca's coronavirus vaccine. COVID-19 cases continue to fall in Colombia. New daily cases are now at less than 2,000, down from a peak of more than 30,000 in July. More than 45% of the population has now had one dose of the vaccine. Nearly 30% are fully vaccinated, though shortages of a second dose have been reported across the country. Those were your top stories for the week. Thanks for listening.
0: And we're back. This is Segment 3 of Episode 391. You know who's on the show. I've been telling you all about this for a week. We have the directors and producers of a new documentary that's coming out. It's Well, it gets its Colombian release on the 2nd of September, and it's sort of, let's say, international release on PBS from October the 18th. So for you out there in the United States, we have... Oscar Molina and Brenda Steineke, who are up in Santa Elena near to Medellin, but we're gonna talk about their documentary called La Casa de Mama Icha, which is set in Momboz. That makes me so happy. (laughs) That's why I had but welcome on the Columbia Calling Podcast.
2: Thank you. Thank you very much for this invitation. We are really happy to be here and I mean this is a kind of uh, weird new way to join the uh, audience but we are also very happy for all those people around the world who are maybe listening now hello
0: yeah we get like one listener in Malawi so there you go uh, wow. <laughs> so uh, but we have uh, thousands in the US Canada the UK and <laughs> Colombia so and Australia too so the anglophone market but uh, you know we all love documentaries we're all watching documentaries that's the truth and i think of course in the in this quarantine and lockdown we are, our tastes have evolved and perhaps we are uh, experimenting or trying to understand different ways of life and so on and i think la casa de mama icha fills that uh, that genre for us. But who wants to tell us a little bit about... Uh, I want to know... I, I want my audience to understand what this documentary is about. Because I've seen trailers and I can make up ideas. But I'm waiting till the 2nd of September to go out and see it here in the Avenida Chile because it will be on there, I know. But to tell us about this, La Casa de Mama Icha. Tell us about Mama Icha.
3: Uh We are very excited to share this story with you. And this is, it happens that the main character of this film is Colombian, but uh, we feel, and we are sure that this story has to be with many of us because his place in a kind of international context. La Casa de mamaicha is a story about uh, mamaicha is a heroine, a character that after living in the U.S. for, uh, 33 years, she decides to return to Colombia to live, finally, her last days in her hometown. Um, she is 93 years old, um, and her dream, like uh, her last wish, is to be her last days in her land. And also, which is also very important, um, she wants to live specifically in the house that she built during the years that she was absent. She wants to live in the house that she built in Mount with the resources she was able to get during, the, during her migration. So after 33 years, she's able to return to Colombia and to accomplish this dream. And this so, is kind of the main journey of the story, and the story has to be uh, with the consequences that she faces upon her return in the relationship with uh, her children, her family, uh, the economics, uh, uh, and, uh,
0: it's, I like this because it's a, it's a different tale, not the tale like, I want to say, Paraíso Travel, that movie where the, you know, the Colombian migrants going north and all of the inhumane experiences that they had. But we look at the Casa de Mama Icha, so it's a documentary, it's a true story. But Mama Icha, you know, she's from my town, all my listeners will know, my adopted <laughs> homeland. So, and I know where the house is. I know where it is on the Calle del Medio, and, and I remember the seven Vende sign, the to, for sale sign, which pops up in your publicity. Um, but I want to know, is, is she... Mama Icha did not leave Colombia because of the violence. She did not leave uh, because of, let's say, displacement or political uncertainty, did she? I mean, she's not she's not one of the, the, the millions, let's say, that have left Colombia in that circumstance. She's, she left Colombia under quite different circumstances.
2: Yes, yes. Um, the case of Mama Icha is quite specific, but it, she's not the only one in the world. Um, She migrated when she was 60 years old because her daughter, uh, Doña Epifania, who lives in in Philadelphia and we are great friends and she already saw the film and, well, uh, we are very grateful for everything. Anyhow, uh, Epifania had left to the U.S. uh, years before. And uh, she asked Mama Icha to come to the U.S. in order to take care of the children. Because Epiphania, as many people, and specific, uh, spe- specifically migrants, she worked a lot, really, really a lot. Um, so she needed someone to take care of the children because um, she had uh, sparely time for that. Mm-hmm. Um so she she migrated when she was 60 but uh she had this idea that she will come back to Colombia to Colombia soon mm-hmm. and she firstly thought maybe 3 years maybe 5 maybe 7 maybe 10 maybe 15 and this is something happening to many of us who have a migration experience that we many times we leave thinking that we are having a new experience or we are finding uh, a way of uh, developing also professionally or to to gain some money and then come back. And then time passes and our situation changes and the world changes. And um, in the specific case of Mama Icha, which is a story that is shared by many, many people around the world. And is this topic of the dream of a proper house, uh, uh, a building to, to protect your family, to protect yourself. And this is like the dream she has um, going to the U.S. Well, these dreams, this dream becomes the reason why she could not come before to Colombia but we are going to talk probably more about it. Yeah. And anyhow, um, and just uh, a note uh, on the bottom of the page, um, mm-hmm. it, it, it is said that it's unusual for people to migrate when they are already over 50 or 60, but there is a, a big uh, amount of people uh, migrating because they are taking care of uh, their grandchildren in the places uh, where their uh, daughters and sons, or where where they are needed, so mm. this exists, but it's not uh, very this uh, vis- uh, visible for the mm. statistics.
0: Mm. It's an interesting concept, isn't it? As you say, and I love this this whole idea of. Okay, maybe in three years, maybe in five years, maybe in 10 years, it took 33 years. And what you are alluding to there is that she ended up becoming trapped by, I mean, the economics of it, I guess she was getting welfare or a pension or something. And from there, the money was going back to Mompos, the remesa, to build the house, to do these things. But before we get into the economics and this, and it is really fascinating. Just um, without telling us, without telling us the whole story, because you know people need to get out there to the movies. We've got to fill the <laughs> fill the the cinemas again. Uh, is it a happy return? I mean, was she unhappy in Philadelphia? Is it a happy return to Montpors? I mean, because I you know, I have an extended family in Montpors and you know, many elderly uh, relatives. Great, There's a great grandmother to my children who's in her 90s as well. Wow. And they think nothing about, okay, yeah, we'll get in the car for five hours and we do this and we do that. You filmed Mama Icha before the bridges were built and before the pandemic so uh, the pandemic even uh, so it was a different time altogether i mean uh, t- tell us was it again i want to say is this a, is it a positive story or is it just sort of a tragedy i don't know you have to tell us
3: i think you have to see the film and i don't <laughs> want you to to think to get ideas about the film without watching the film mm-hmm. um, okay there's, i mean mamaicha um, I think as many migrants have has had this kind of split feeling or uh, no feeling home completely there and when she was living in the United States upon her return to Colombia she was happy to accomplish uh, her dream of being here, I mean in Montpux but here in mm-hmm. Colombia but at the same time when, when, her, when she was in Montpux she missed a lot. She was missing her family in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. So I think that happens with the story of many migrants that mm-hmm. uh, go far away in order to look for prosperity, searching prosperity. And after, uh, and they dream about the place where they was, the, fe- the place uh, where, they come from. where they come from, where they feel belonging to so, um, and upon her return, she started having nostalgia for what happened with her relatives in Philadelphia. So, mm. so it's, I think migrants can share this feeling, this yeah. feeling of hope. Yeah.
0: Just a, a side note is how many chickens do you have there? <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, I, I was about to make a comment about it. Uh, yeah, we, we live like with uh, Twenty-five chickens and seven chicken uh, roosters, uh, and they walk all around the house. So, <laughs> if you hear a certain noise just here, please—they um, uh, have noticed that it's—they uh, uh, are just chickens. But a lot, okay, of
0: them. <laughs> there are a lot of them. I can hear it, so, but, and they're particularly active at this moment. But it's fine. I like the ambience uh, provided by it. But this this feeling of nostalgia and and you've got it it's sort of the 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 normal nostalgia of from where you know where you come from my nostalgia for example for for london and it grew immensely during uh the lockdown uh, even though i haven't lived there in such a long time but but of course i'm remembering what was when i lived there which is now more than 18 years ago or 19 years ago when i lived there full time not what is now and and then you've got that nostalgia when she's back in Montrose, and maybe a more maybe a more comfortable life in Philadelphia. So, I suppose, and <laughs> I suppose, in in the in the documentary, you explore this 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 double nostalgia.
2: Yeah, but I think more in the case of Mamaicha, this is um, very interesting. Because more than a nostalgia or a double nostalgia, she is uh, split but uh since uh, she's 93 years old and um she knows she does she does not have so much time left, mm. she makes a decision and she wants to be in monpos, she wants to be surrounded by her old neighborhood the uh, neighbors and, and, and her family and her patio and the people coming along and going and coming and and this is a decision she made and she's mm-hmm. very clear about it and she knows that the return won't be easy but um but this is something existential for her and this is something I really Kind of learned from Ama because I mean I also have a long migration story <laughs> uh, I lived for many years in Germany, and my mm-hmm. father he's German living in colombia he's also a migrant and um, and this very question about where do I want to spend my last days I mean mm-hmm. this question about where what what is really important at the end of my days and with mm-hmm. which like which temperature do I mm-hmm. want to feel in my body and what do I want to eat? I mean a very it's also a very sensitive uh, issue, and Mama mm-hmm. Icha is very straight and she does not reflect on it or whatever, but she just do it. And this is uh, really very impressive because she's 93 years old. And as you said, I mean, coming from Philadelphia to Montpose is not an easy issue. Like she has to take the fly and then come to Barranquilla and then go by car and then take the boat and then take the car again. So, (laughs) I mean, this is like a... (laughs) And... um, so I think in the case of Mama Ichan, just uh, to round up this, uh, it's not a question of nostalgia. Um, it's a question about a divided sense of home, of course, but she made a decision and she went there where she wanted to be for the last, for the last days, knowing that it won't be easy. Yeah. And this is important because she was clear and she was conscious.
0: But see i you know in some of the clips i've seen she's there in her rocking chair so very Yeah. Uh, again let me let me just say to the listeners you don't need to take a ferry anymore we have we have bridges on both sides of the island it's slightly less complex uh, and supposedly well they were meant to start this year and last year flights are arriving so there you go so don't be put off by that but that said um i think that whole thing of the coming and going as well, it's the image of the town. It's a pueblo. So the guy selling fruits at the door or the someone just passes by and you always share a word. You always are in and I just think it's 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 something that's very I don't know. It has that that spirit that maybe I don't know. Maybe it's lost in a big city in in, in the northern hemisphere. I doubt. Well, I I would think that perhaps uh, Mama Icha and her family live in a in a barrio where there are other I- I- immigrants and so on. So maybe it's maybe they feel comfortable. But on my question on on immigration, and I, I this is something I explore personally a fair bit, is that I find. Immigrants, I don't know if myself so much, but immigrants, if they come over, let's say, I don't know, Germans, Dutch, English, Americans come over to Colombia, they end up behaving more German, Dutch, English, and so on. <laughs> uh, uh, and, and, and likewise, did Mama Icha become even more Colombian, you know, remembering Colombia when she was in Philadelphia?
3: Yeah, uh, that's something that is very noticeable with migrants. That uh, when you are in a different place, you start uh, feeling, you start having a, a strong feelings about your root, your, mm-hmm. your roots, and the traditions, and you start kind of uh, giving value to them. Um, because maybe before, when you are in your home country, you you are no noticing. Uh, those traditions, and you don't give more value to them. And it mm-hmm. happens when you are far away. Those traditions becomes, uh something that makes your spirit to be happy and to feel yeah. like you belong to someone else.
0: Mm. And, and, and and can we, you know, Oscar, Brenda, how did you find Mama Icha? I mean, Oscar, I know you lived in Philadelphia, but how do you... I mean, you you had to have been thinking of this kind of story, you had to have been thinking of something else. And so how do you find a personality larger than life as Mama Icha? Because (laughs) when you see her, you're like, wow, you know, she's indomitable.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, uh, the story has is kind of long. I have been thinking for more than 20 years in the issue that many people from less developed countries, um, might, they migrate to more countries with more development, or they have more concentration of money or resources. And one of the dreams of migration is to go far away uh, in order to be able to get the resources to have a house in the place where you no longer live. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, for different experience of traveling, or many, I try many different times of moving away from Colombia. Uh, and uh, and during those experiences, I had the opportunity to meet many migrants and to talk with them. I was living with them. Um, I mean, I, my basic daily routine was with migrants from sometimes from Asia, Eastern Europe, uh, Latin America. And uh, so I, I started talking with them about why they were why they decided to migrate and and i started listening that there was like a common dream the dream Mm. of having a house Mm. and i and i felt this is strange people have to move so far away Mm. in order to have a house in the place where they are no longer living there so for me it was kind of this is weird And, and it's more weird when this situation happens to many people and so I, I got very interested in this topic and uh, I went to research and talk with more migrants and I realized that many of them already were able to get the house, the dream house in their original places. Mm-hmm. And they were able to, to make possible this dream after many years of working, sending money, dreaming about the house, how I want the house, how I want the design, what materials do I want for the house. And after this long effort, transnational effort, they don't move back to the land, uh, they don't inhabit, they don't dwell in those, in those houses. Mm. So I felt like, oh my God, this is, this is meaningful in order to explore how the economic system, how the political system has an impact in the experience of home for many migrants. Mm. And That was the starting point of this project. And uh, so I had that idea. I want to make a film about this, but how can I make it? Yeah. So, when I was already old, I went to live in <laughs> Philadelphia in the United States. Uh, uh, I went to study a master's degree in film. And uh, so, one of my plans was like, I want to go to one of those countries in order to become more familiar with the language and in order to be able to research about. This, more about these stories. And being there, I did like a two years of research, talking with migrants, talking with academics, doing a lot of readings. Um, so in a moment, I understood that in order to be able to tell this story, I needed to find someone that didn't want to postpone the return to live finally in that house. So I went to look for that person and uh, I was lucky because I had a conversation with uh, Mama Icha's granddaughter, who is Michelangelo Ortiz. She's a great, great artist Um, we have met before. And so I told her, okay, I'm doing this research and I am looking for a migrant who wants to return to her home or his homeland. um, And someone that had built a house with remittances. And she said, oh, my granddaughter, my grandmother, uh, she's crazy about her her dream of returning. And we cannot stand her anymore because she (laughs) was just that. So I asked her, I want to meet her. So she opened the the doors of her house. and, And through that moment, I was able to meet Mama Icha and to start talking with them. With her and to spend many hours talking, talking about her dream of returning home, which at the same time I was planning my own return to Colombia. So it's like a, this kind of coincidence. Uh, so that was how I met Mamaija.
0: <laughs> I mean, you know, without the Colombian community, it could have been someone else. You know, maybe in Vietnam or or, or elsewhere. It could have been almost anywhere. But of course, the Colombian circle, you know, more <laughs> contacts. I like this idea of your return as well, because they start, it's parallel, your return with Mama Icha's. Now, if I'm not mistaken, and I've seen a photo, you accompanied Mama Icha back to Colombia on her return. Had she even, she had had she visited Colombia in 33 years or, or no?
3: Yeah, she was able okay. to come to Colombia four times. Okay. And she tried to move back during those four times and every time that she returned she had economic problems no one was really taking care well of her so the regular story that I knew because Mama Icha told me and also her relatives in Philadelphia was like um, every time that Mama Icha tried to return she was able just to stay in Colombia a couple of months, two months mm. and after she had to go back
0: Yes. And, and yeah. then when you came down with her, how was that?
3: Oh, uh, It was uh, emotionally demanding and physically <laughs> uh, because uh, I had returned like uh, six months previously to Colombia. I mean, before to Mama H. I was in contact with her and her family in Philadelphia. And um, once Michelangelo called me and told me, that they already made a decision to allow Mama Icha to return. And she asked me if I come back to Philadelphia to pick up Mama Icha and to accompany her in her return to Colombia. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean I did, it was no easy because at that moment I didn't have a US visa, whatever. So I managed how to resolve my trip back to Philadelphia and I met I I went to their place and And I did the final trip uh, of returning to Colombia with Mama Icha. At that time, I was also, I had my luggage, part of my luggage, uh, uh, in Mama Icha's place in (laughs) Philadelphia. So it was uh, Mama Icha and myself with Mama Icha's luggage, my own luggage. I was taking care of Mama Icha and at the same
0: time shooting the film. <laughs> so <laughs> you were you were quite the chaperone and in, in that <laughs> one and trying to film with all this luggage. I, I it's a, it's fascinating, <laughs> and I think it's a different attitude as well that Mama Icha must have had. You know, this is it. This is the time I go back and I, and you know I'm going to I I will uh, I will pass away. I will die in my hometown. I mean that's. She must have had a whole different mentality on that trip.
3: Yes. Yes, I mean, it was emotionally very intense because uh, for her, was uh, she was um, uh, moving away from the people that she was living for 33 years, uh, from her daughters, from her granddaughters. Um, and she knew that she was not going to be able to see them again. And for the family in Philadelphia was uh the situation I mean broke my heart because also they were saying the last goodbye to someone that was alive and they wanted to keep there, they wanted to protect her there. So it was difficult for, for them also to accept Ramaitcha's decision to return to Colombia and, and to and to and to know that it was going to be
0: the last time to see her. Brenda, what were you doing then when he was coming with all the bags and the (laughs) film and Mama Icha? Were you waiting in Bogotá on (laughs) Barranquilla? She was coming back from Germany. I
2: I was coming Ah. back from Germany. (laughs) So, no, no, this is, um, I mean, this project, uh, it's uh, uh, more than eight years now and Oscar's, started shooting on in uh, 2013 13 yes wow. and i i returned to colombia in 2013 and i start working together with oscar in 2016 so I am in for five years now, and Oscar has been in for all the time, and he will be in for all the time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, this is a long project. I mean, it's like yeah. a it's, it, for, you know, to follow someone's life. I mean, even the last years, it's a, it's, yeah, it's a long absolutely. project. But she still had, Mama Icha still had significant family in Montbos. It wasn't as if she was going back to zero and of course, we can see that in the trailer as well. There's a fair amount of conflict there. You know, <laughs> There's a fair amount yeah. of conflict. Uh, so I, again, we'll leave it to uh, everyone to go out and see it and watch it on PBS. But when we were talking uh, before, and this is off camera and everything else, uh, when we were getting to know one another, we were talking about the sense of belonging. And I think that's something that's so very important. And that, you know, where you would where you feel comfortable where you want to spend your last years where you want to die and and Oscar you asked me you know as you said and you sort of turned the tables and you said you know have you got it organized what i mean how do you want to be buried where do you want to be buried and i've never really thought about it i've i i and my answer was of course well i want to be cremated because I don't want to take up space anywhere. You know, I just I, uh, And you, you can toss me in the river somewhere. I don't really mind. And then I thought about it a bit more and I thought, well, I could get a tiny little space in the British Cemetery in Bogota <laughs> because that would be, you know, a way of being connected to home. And yeah. I do feel very... Actually, I've done a lot of research down there, uh, in that area, in Los Martires, and been, and I take people into the cemetery and so on. So I thought, I do feel quite close to it, but then maybe maybe you cremate me and put my ashes in the Magdalena River and then it flows out into the sea and the currents take it to to the United Kingdom i don't know <laughs> so i don't know i mean maybe you help me with this but but uh i think it's a very as you say existential question and you guys ex- are going you're exploring that and and when you've done you've been nominated for so many prizes and uh, i have you've won prizes too
2: yeah also, I mean, before the film was done and also now, yeah, we we have had a good uh,
0: reception. Reception, reception. Yes. Okay, so, but do, do does this conversation come up when you're talking about it and when you're giving your presentations, or this, this belonging? I mean, uh,
3: yes, because the film is about that topic, but also because we like to talk about belongingness uh, because I think that's, something that uh, we have uh, we have uh, lost the connection with this feeling because of mobility globalization whatever and uh so and I feel that that for us is very important uh to come back and to ask okay where you feel belonging is to mm-hmm. and what does it mean for you
2: Mm-hmm. And it's not only about nationality, I mean, it's not about the national thinking of mm-hmm. being from wherever, but it's something more material. I mean, it's really about the relationship to the soil or the, the relationship to your relevant relations, you know, and 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 I mean for Mama Icha, the place of belongingness was Monpoose. Mm-hmm. But maybe your place of belongingness is somewhere else, and it does not, it, it relates to the origin, but it, it's not only about the origin. It's about asking ourselves um, or, or, or remembering that our build, constant building of uh, identity has to be with the territory. And it's related to our experience of home. And this is really hard if you think of people who have been uh, displaced violently or people uh, experiencing rape in their homes. So, I mean, this is a really hardcore issue <laughs> because it's not only about this idealized uh, sense of belongingness and Oh, and the plants and the patio. And this is very nice, but it's really an important question um, about um, rootedness. And something that is very important for us is to question again and again, even if there is not answer for it. Why? Why on earth? We live in Colombia. This is a rich country. There are so many... Um, cultural expressions. There are so many resources. Why people have to leave? Why do they have to leave from the countryside to the city? Why do they have to leave? Or why do we have to leave to the USA, to Germany, to somewhere else? And I mean, this is because we have naturalized Uh, the inequality in the world. It's like, oh yes, the world is unequal. This is really terrible, but what could we do? And I don't have an answer how to change it now, but I do have the need to question the existence of of such a huge inequality that makes people, uh, takes away from the people the right to stay at home. There are millions of people that cannot stay at home, even if they want. And so we like to talk about the right to migrate as well as the right not to migrate, the right to stay in the places of origin. Yeah, so
0: sorry. That's all right. That's a fascinating (laughs) concept. No, but I like it. There was passion there. And (laughs) and one of your... uh, a uh, jealous roosters didn't get involved, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but c- you weren't interrupted by uh, the <laughs> farmyard. But I think that that the right not to leave home. And I, if I'm not mistaken, is it, it the, the the Colombian diaspora is around 10 million people outside it's, of Colombia?
3: It's around the 10 percent of Colombian population. It's around five million people. Mm. The statistics, the official statistics from the national government are from 2012. Uh, It means that it could be more. Um, But we want to emphasize that uh, so Colombia has at least 10% of uh, its population uh, abroad, yes, in other countries. But uh, Colombia has the... The the, shameful. The the shameful Mm. place to be the first place, the first country in the world with more internal... People displaced in the country. Mm -hmm. So, which is around uh, seven and a half to to nine million million people displaced in the same country. So, I want to go back to Brenda's question, which is why a country that is so rich in natural resources, in talented people, has the tendency to displace its people. So I think that's kind of the original question that motivates this project. And it happens also in many countries. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. not a situation that is just exclusive of Colombia. It happens Mm -hmm. in many countries. As it is our country and we felt so close to this situation, we formulate this question from the Colombian perspective. Mm -hmm. But I think many people from many nations can have the same question. Why? Territories that are so rich that they have the resources to provide a good living for their people. Uh, for political and economical reasons, they displaced uh, their people to other countries.
2: Mm-hmm. And just uh, coming back to the Colombian diaspora, thank you, Richard, for that reminding, for that uh, uh, remembering that. And uh, this is this is something. Um, Uh, which uh, we especially are uh, kind of touched by because there are many other countries which are very conscious about their diaspora and they are engaged and they Mm -hmm. have a clear relationship with that diaspora and the people uh, know how to 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 make uh, uh, contacts in their own countries and so on. And the Colombian diaspora is very well organized among themselves, like there are many groups and associations and uh, cultural initiatives and so on. But the Colombian government has no idea about it. And what Oscar was saying, the last statistics about the diaspora are from 2012. You know, it's like this 10% of the population does not matter, but those 10% of the population sent back home as much um, remittances, as much um, uh, uh, divisas, how do you say? Like uh, 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 international uh,
0: money wires.
2: Money wires. Thank you very much. I mean, more than all the coffee exports and fruit exports and aguacate exports together. And um, these remittances represent the second highest um, uh, divisa, uh, I mean... uh, uh, Money yeah. <laughs> okay.
3: coming from abroad, yes.
2: Yes, yeah. I mean, the second biggest one in Colombia, so it's it represents a huge um,
3: contribution to the economy, yes, mm. and to the development of families. Because which is yeah. important also about yeah. the money that migrants send back home, that money goes directly to their families, mm. and that, that money helps their families to have uh, clothing, to have roof, to have food, to have education. And uh, so that's they they help from far away and from being displaced the develop the, the development of their own families. Mm-hmm. Um for example the first divisa, that's the right word in English. The first divisa that comes to Colombia is from selling oil and, and energetic resources. Mm-hmm. And, and yes, but how many uh the go how many people from the government live Live from those resources. How many mm-hmm. bureaucracy have the the government to sustain to support with that money? And mm-hmm. is the opposite situation with remittances, which is money coming directly to be invested in the basic needs of families? It's
0: it's a it's a strange one, isn't it? Because the Colombian economy economy requires these remittances. Yeah, the, requires this to come into the economy. Yet the Colombian government, n- n- not one of the governments, you know, in in all of the history, really have paid attention to this diaspora, uh, the Colombian community overseas. And yet, if you could get all adult Colombians in the diaspora to actually vote, as well in um, elections, we've got twenty twenty two coming up. It's a big deal. (laughs) It's a big deal. And so you'd think, and I know that in in other countries, they do make sort of, they do appeal to their overseas um, nationals to say, you know, vote, do this. The U.S. definitely, you know, cast your vote at the embassy or whatever, and and, and I think the French are very good at it as well. The Germans. the ju- well yeah of course <laughs> um always always good at these things but 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 the colombian one it's it you know i was looking at lo- lines outside the embassy or the consulate in london and the consulate didn't know how to register people to vote and so mm. everyone's shouting that it's uh, you know corrupt and it's this and it's that and th- i just think it's disorganized i just think that there's not a a you know a, a road map of how to do this and everybody they want to vote they're, they you know mm-hmm. uh, I talked as well to some Colombians in South Carolina mm-hmm. and they have to drive all the way to Atlanta and it's a four-hour drive wow. and they're going in a caravan of Colombians because wow. the consulate in Atlanta is not answering their phone calls Wow! so they're going they're going there to you know like to to doorstep the consulate <laughs> and and they told me we're not leaving until we're registered to vote. Wow. So there's, there's clearly nothing in place. Yeah. Uh, and, and you say it's a huge amount of people, a huge amount of people that could, you know, had, well, you know, had all of them voted and, and in the last elections, it could have been a very different result. That's the truth. I mean, it wasn't the end of it. So at the end of this, I mean, at the end of Mama Icha, not the end of the film. It's now, you know, you're still, you're still enjoying, uh, you know, as you say, you're, 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 you're flourishing in this. It's coming out on the second of September, and on PBS, October the eighteenth. Is it too early to ask you what's the next project? Will you be doing another study in migration?
2: No, it's not too early.
0: <laughs> it's just
2: the perfect question. Okay, there we go. <laughs>
0: it's happening.
2: It's happening. <laughs> so, it's just because um, Mama Icha is part of the uh, of a documentary transmedia trilogy. So Mama Icha, La Casa, Mama Icha is the first uh, feature length film. Mm-hmm. And the second one is called Absentee's House. Mm-hmm. And it's now in past production. And it, it runs, uh, it's also about uh, thinking or, or feeling, uh, especially feeling this divided sense of home, but it's mm. placed between a small town, an uh, incredible, beautiful environment in Mexico, in Mexican ah. mm-hmm. but and also in relationship to the USA. And uh, yeah, so this one is in post production, and uh, we are working on uh, finding funds uh, yeah. in order mm-hmm. funding in order to go forward. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and also Oscar has other personal projects which uh, we hope we could uh, we can release in the next years.
0: Oh, fantastic! What's the third part of the trilogy? You don't or you, you can't third- tell me.
2: No, no, of course. (laughs) The third part of the trilogy is uh, meant to be a web platform, a kind of web tool. Uh, It's a digital uh, Mm -hmm. platform because both of the films are based in a very deep and long-term lasting um, investigation. But their audiovisual language is uh, very emotional And the films are not about explaining, the films are about empathy. It's about feeling or coming closer to the feeling of this divided sense of home, this dream of of returning, of rootedness, um, the sense of absence in a place uh, where many, many people have migrated. So it's about feeling and about empathy. And the web platform, it's about uh, allocating and giving a context to this investigation and um, making a point of how the house is a place where intimacy and globalization crosses. You know, it's the place where we, live our most intimate life we have our relevant relationships we seek for protection and security thank you to paolo bocangli for that uh, uh, definition Both. definition of house of home and but also it's the place um where transnational movement uh, materializes it's the place Uh, where maybe I cannot be because of the mobility policies uh, worldwide. And I mean, the house is built out of bricks and I have to have money to buy those bricks. It's very, very basic. Um, So um, the the third part of the trilogy is about uh, finding... um, we, we are searching for an uh, interactive language in order to, to contextualize uh, this uh, reflection and all these crossing roads uh, uh, through the this idea, this notion of house and home.
3: But also, yeah, I, but also which is, um, uh, we want to give, we want to communicate, we want to... People to know that this situation mm-hmm. that happens with migrants and their houses that they build with uh, a lot of effort happens everywhere. So sometimes it's like, a, it's not just a single story. It's not, or it happens not just in one particular country, it happens in the relationship between uh, places, territories, countries that uh, have lost economic prosper- prosperity. Uh, in the relationship with countries that are accumulated more financial capital. So that's just to make an evidence that there is something that has, is weird in the way how we are with money, politics, that uh, it's creating this kind of situation of houses built with a lot of love, effort, that uh, their owners are not able to dwell in them.
2: And to enjoy
3: them. And to enjoy them.
0: well i mean there's a lot there's a lot to debate there's a lot to debate but we'll let the um we'll let the documentaries do the talking and everybody you are now you are obliged to go out uh, if you're here in colombia from the 2nd of september and go out and see the film la casa de mama icha and if you're in the u.s pbs Just put it, you know, look up the PBS website and put in Mama Icha, and it comes up because I've sent the link to family, okay? And so that comes out on the 18th of October. If you want to check out the website, it's www.mikasamyhomefilm.com. Of course, I'll put that onto Twitter and I'll put that onto Facebook, and no one has any excuse not to look at it because we will be promoting it in the next week. it sounds absolutely fascinating. It sounds like something that will make me reflect even more on my status of an immigrant here in Colombia and the whole idea of belonging uh, and my you know my the intimacy and globalization where it meets in the home' I mean, it's, it's quite, uh, uh, but the divided sense of home i really that really appeals to me that that whole that, 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 that phrase that turn the divided sense of home, I think is the is one of those those key points that you've made. So let me take this moment, Oscar and Brenda, thank you so much for your time. And I wish you all the best uh, with the release of this uh, documentary.
2: Thank you, Richard. Thank you so much. And one of the beautiful things of doing what we do is that it makes possible that we meet and it's been really, really a great opportunity that we encounter each other, that we could share our stories. Thank you very much uh, to you also.
3: Yes, thank you so much, Richard. Um, It's great that we have this conversation to share all the work that we have been doing and you support us to communicate uh, to other people. And and also for us, more than telling uh, to people that we make a film, is about, we want to bring questions about how we relate uh, with, I don't know, with the economy, with the political situation.
2: With uh, our families. With our
3: families. So that's what our, our main point uh, when we do this work. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you to you, the chickens the roosters, <laughs> and of course, to Mama Icha, because we have to go out and watch the documentary. Thank you all so much again. This has been episode 391 of the Columbia Calling podcast. We'll be back next week with more interviews and interviewees. But for the time being, you are obliged. Again, 2nd of September in Colombia. 18th of October overseas. I've been Richard McCall talking to Oscar Molina and Brenda Steineke who are up there in Santa Elena not far from Medellin. Thank you again for listening and goodbye.